Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Tapping Up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. Uh, it's episode 69, so there are a plethora of jokes that could be initially made. Obviously, we're very mature and we're not going to make them, but it is also the first of 2024. Um, we had scheduled to do an episode in the last week. I picked up something that God knows what it was. Um, awful, ill, considerably ill. Didn't even get to go to football. That's how bad it was. But um, yeah, it's it's my fault that you've gone a week without. Obviously, you had Ian and Grant in the meantime. So hopefully that, that filled it, filling that gap. Uh, we didn't get one with uh, my good friend Mark because the microphones didn't come. And they only went and turned up today. So very last minute. It's like, oh, brilliant. Useless. Fucking useless. I mean, you've got to be some kind of pussy to get be that ill that you can't even sit in front of a microphone and record a podcast. That's all I'll say. It would have sounded now. horrendous. It would have basically been me like... It would have just been an absolute nightmare. It would have been a waste of time. But uh, yeah, props to Grant. I thought Grant was very good uh, on that one. And uh, maybe what I said to him is uh, on the next time, because uh, one thing we didn't actually mention, ironically, is Liverpool play Arsenal in the FA Cup this weekend. Uh, we didn't actually talk about that. But uh, one thing I said I thought might be quite a good little thing to do, we'll do maybe in the coming weeks, is we'll do one with the three of us. We'll go for a three-way, the first three-way podcast, and we'll get Grant on there. <laughs> so, I've, see, I've, there's, there's, I've avoided the 69 joke, but I've thrown in a little three-way. <laughs> I'm going to say, you, you've got to be careful with your words, especially considering this is recorded and submitted, you know, just about everywhere in the world. Um, but anyway, let's get straight on. Three-person podcast. <laughs> <laughs> much better we've got quite a lot to cover because of someone's illness selfish people um start with mma and start with some fairly big news uh mr mma and mr ufc himself mcgregor a lot have been surrounded about him he's made his own little announcement uh assuming that you saw this on new year's eve on new year's day were it i think it was new course, year's eve how would i ever miss anything from the man connor but, exactly um, so he's uh it is as much as we disagreed and we thought it, the fight wouldn't come to fruition, he is fighting Chandler. Strangely, um, they've agreed to fight at 185. Neither man has fought at 185 before. It was originally going to be at 170. Um, and it's a strange one for me. Um, is it because Connor's too roidy and can't lose that weight and get down? Because I've heard... He's out training somewhere, maybe Dubai or somewhere like that at the moment. And they reckon he's over 200 pounds at the moment. Um, and if I had to call it, I think Chandler won't put a lot of weight on. It'll, he might not have to do much cutting, but probably won't come in close to actually 185. Connor's going to have to do a bit of a cut. But um, Bisping echoed these sentiments himself. Um, bigger isn't always better. Will, will Connor be slower? Will will his set footwork make the difference? He's never been renowned for having a massive gas tank, and he's going to be carrying around more weight. I think it's I think it's a very dangerous move on Connor's part. The jokes make themselves in episode sixty nine clearly. Um, I think personally, he, obviously, he doesn't want to fight at one five five McGregor because he wants people to think that he is massive he's far too big to make 155 and you know he's this big man now you've seen the pictures of him that he posts online on his yacht and the pictures of him at things like the day of 
uh, reckoning boxing event where he's wearing a very fitted suit where he, he looks very, very buff. Uh, he won't fight at 170 because Chandler called him out at 170. And one thing Conor McGregor will never do is agree. He'll never be led. He always has to be the architect of everything that he creates. So 185 becomes the next logical step. I agree. I don't think Chandler will struggle with that at all. It'll be interesting to see how Conor comes in because I've heard the same rumours that he is very, very heavy. Um, I'm sure he'll make the weight comfortably enough, but it's the interesting part for me, or the interesting part of it for me, is the date of the fight and the fight allegedly taking place on my birthday, which is the 29th of June, um, at the Las Vegas International Fight Week. So we thought that it might be UFC 300, but also the talks that we had had is that fight is probably big enough to sell a card on its own. So you don't necessarily need to put it in UFC 300 from a business point of view. So it's interesting. And Chandler has said himself, nothing is signed and nothing is agreed. But if McGregor is saying a date, there must be something quite concrete in that to make him think that that is when he's fighting Chandler. Yeah, I agree. And I think there was actually a bit, wasn't there, during the Ultimate Fighter when they were filming it, when they had that, there was, it was a little clip that was went viral as well when they were talking about weights and McGregor said something to him, like, you'll fight at whatever weight I tell you. You know, if I say 185, that's what it'll be. And I can't help but feel there's a bit of that kind of macho-ness in it. He said it once, so he feels like he has to carry it through. But I, it, it would concern me if I'm Connor's coach because... I think the thing with cutting weight as well, there's an element of discipline to that, that you've got to live like a monk. If you're a big guy, you've got to eat well, you've got to train. If you don't really have to cut much weight, are you still training as hard? Are you, are you putting in the same amount levels of cardio to get you? And, and Chandler is renowned. If you ever watch him on Instagram, he's a cardio freak. Some of the workouts he does, I, I'd suggest what anyone watching. Um, so... I'll be honest, I think it's a really bad move by Connor. I, th- I think he should have stuck at 170. And I think the fight had probably been better at 170, to be honest. It, it would seem a little bit more competitive. Obviously, 185, neither have thought that that way before. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I wouldn't be putting money on either fighter to win. I think it's a very 50-50 fight at that weight, to be honest. Depends what happens, doesn't it? Connor keeps it standing. He wins, if you ask me. If Chandler can get his hands on him and take him down, he'll 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 probably win by decision. I can't see a universe that Chandler knocks him out, but if Chandler can get his arms on him and, and wrestle him, then then Connor's in trouble. But also brings me on to us well, on to UFC three hundred generally, and I can't help but feel that the closer and closer it gets, this is going to be the most utterly underwhelming centennial card ever in terms of like the big fights like what they've put on and what we've had before when we've had Brock uh we had John Jones and, and we've had yeah I think um Gregor might have been on 200 and I read a really good article today on MMA fighting where they had five or six different uh journalists discussing right what's the main event and playing through like a, a number of scenarios, so I wrote a few down for you. So you, you, I'll let you, I'll, I'll fire these at you, and you tell me your thoughts or likelihood on them. So first one, 
Volk wins his fight against Tapura pretty easily in January. O'Malley beats Cheeto pretty easily. O'Malley gets on the mic, gives it the big balls, calls out Volk for a fight at 145 to immediately try and go to champ champ status at 145. Thoughts? Um, initial thought is that I'd hate that because they're two of my favourite fighters and I, I wouldn't want to see him, one of them lose. So <laughs> if we had to... Uh, we had to pick a side in that. It'd probably be Volk, to be honest, but it'd be hard to pick a side. Um, I don't see that personally. I think that's quite an outlandish one. Have these rumours come from anywhere substantive, or is this, just... these are guys giving their opinions? And you think that one's okay. un, like you know, sort of a bit crazy? Wait till you set some of the ones that I'm coming on to. But uh, the uh, for me, O'Malley's no. He's only had one title. He's only he hasn't even defended the title yet. He's had one fight and won it. If he beats Cheeto, he's had one defence. He's not even remotely cleared out his um, uh, his division. That's only to make money and for the spectacle. That's not he, he doesn't deserve champ champ status after one one defence. Volk pretty much cleaned out one four five before he went up to one fifty five against Islam. So I agree, unlikely, but it was one that was talked about. Next one, equally I think quite unlikely, Izzy versus Poetang three. For the light heavyweight title. We've discussed this one, but obviously Izzy's comments of three years off, was it, or whatever, brings it massively into question. But you could see if money talks, and that would be one that I think if the UFC were really struggling and threw enough money at Izzy, I could see that because he would have had a fair amount of time off then. So that that's slightly potential for me. Yeah, and there was something quite recently um, on his Instagram where he had posted a few pictures. I don't know if you've seen this, but he's posted a few pictures of himself as Adesanya where he looks jacked. He looks ridiculously big in comparison to his his previous pictures in, in terms of his previous weight. So there could be something in that, and I could certainly see that would be a potential headliner. I could see that selling. That would be definitely something that people would want to watch. So I wouldn't put that out of the equation. Out of the equation, I think that's a potential. Yeah, and I hadn't seen those pictures, but that is interesting because is he doing a John Jones bulking up, putting on weight to go up um, in 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 expectation? But fuck, I mean, Poetang at fucking two hundred five is a scary proposition uh, um, for me. And we know the last time that Izzy tried it against uh, Blahovic, it worked out terribly for him. And um, so that that one, this is the craziest one, but apparently a fight that the UFC has been trying to put on for years. Both retired female fighters for God knows how long they've been retired for, and it never happened at the time. Ronda Rousey versus Gina Serrano. And I was like, who the fuck in the world wants that as the main event? No one is clamouring for that fight ever. No, no chance that happens. I would be putting a hell of a lot of money that that didn't happen. I don't think she's in the WWE anymore, as far as I'm aware. I think she's left that now. But I think Which she's is, I think, from... where some of these rumours have come from that she's recently. Yeah. Left. There's no way that that wouldn't even that doesn't sell. That's not a headliner for a centennial. No. Like, you know, they're both legends at, at, of the times that they fought. 
but the game has passed them by. Rousey was the definition of a one-trick pony with her arm bars, and Gina Serrano was just one of the trailblazers of the female fighting, um, sort of the, the first big female fighter. Now she's in movies, same as Rousey. She does fighting, you know, she fit, fit in films like The Expendables and shit like that. So do not see that one happening. I think she's now gone Rousey side. Like I said, she's, she's out of WWE. I think she's at Ring of Honor, which is like a different wrestling promotion. So I think she signed for someone else. That makes it even less likely that that's going to happen. Whether she's still with them or not, I'm pretty sure that happened at the end of last year. But yeah, no chance. No chance for me. So the most likely one, uh, I would say, and as much as I, I, I want to see it, but I think it's an, a completely underwhelming headliner, Edwards versus Bilal. The rematch. It'll definitely happen that. Yeah, I would be saying, I don't think it'll be the headliner. I think there'll be something else in there, almost certainly, but that will definitely be on the cards because Edward said that he'd be fighting at 300, so we know he's definitely on there. Uh, Helwani had reported that the plan was for Edwards to fight um, against Bilal on that card and defend his, his welterweight title. So I would be shocked if that's not there. I just don't think it'll headline. The only other one I've got, and this is one that I'm throwing out there, only because I know Edwards had made these points, and again, it's a spectacle fight, completely undeserved. Would what about Edward Strickland? So Edward goes up and fights Strickland for one eight five title to be a champ champ status, but again, hasn't really cleaned out his division. Clearly, Bilal deserves the shot at the title. And there's enough challenges. Uh, Strickland has got Duplessis before that anyway. So that would be that. That's one I've thrown in that wasn't mentioned in amongst um, the ones that I've just gone through or read. Um, but that would be, again, I think pretty unlikely. Yeah, Strickland's at the end of this month, isn't he? He's at um, 297, uh, I think it is, at the end of this month. So he'd have enough time. I would expect to then obviously come back for, for UFC 300 and prepare if he was to get through Duplicis, which there's absolutely no sure guarantee of it. Yeah, Duplicis there's no guarantee of that at all. Monster. Um, but I could see the middleweight title being defended at UFC 300, depending on what happens. I don't think we'll have like a, a double title fight. I know there were a few other rumours that were a bit out there, none as, as out there as the ones that you've said. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the Aspinall Pereira rumour. That I did not viral. what at heavyweight is yeah. in Pereira goes to heavy. That's yeah. a bad move for him. I mean, like, wow, wow. I, I, I fuck that, that is the best of all the shit we've just talked about. That is the one I want to see. So Pereira posted on, uh, I think, Twitter. He put three hundred plus thirty equals three. So people were like, right, okay. So he's after a third UFC title at UFC three hundred. He's definitely going to have to therefore go for the only one that he possibly can do that, you know, isn't in the position that he's currently in, like heavyweight as the champion, which would be Tom Aspinall, because obviously he's not fighting John Jones and we know what's happening with that. Um, but Pereira had later come out and said that's not his intention, but I would move up to heavyweight. And then Aspinall came out saying, no, look, Pereira wants to defend his light heavyweight title. This isn't going to happen at 300, which we could see Pereira at 300 and we could see Aspinall at 300 but I don't think they'll be fighting each other. The only other two that I've seen that you haven't mentioned, which I think we'd mentioned before in a previous episode, but uh, Dustin Poirier and Diaz. Poirier's Poirier already come out. out and said he's not fighting at 300. Yeah, so that, so that, that was the other one that, 
um, that had been mentioned. And then the other one, just for a bit of shits and giggles, was Gagey and Holloway, because Holloway had called out Gagey for the BMF at 300. But I think Gagey wants the Islam fight. So I think yeah. you're more likely to see the lightweight championship fight. See, that would be a fight that, that I could easily see on that card. And that would be yeah. another one that might not get the clamour, but that's a that's a fucking decent fight. If you put that, you know, let's say from what we're talking about, you know, if it's not going to be as good a card as you say, but Edwards, Bilal, Islam, Gagey, that's two pretty good fights for me to the, the, as a, a headline and a co-main, whichever way you do it. And just is while it you... Portan? As Mate, well. add that in there then all of a sudden now we've got a card but yeah. just one thing I thought that was worth mentioning because you mentioned Asper now um, he seems to have got a bit more he's in the game now now he's a champ he's getting a bit more active on Twitter and I reposted one to ours but did you see his comment that's set about Stipe so he said yeah, the last time Stipe won a fight San Andreas GTA came out on the PlayStation 2 and like you know, and you're like, that's fucking. That, I don't know when that was because it sounds like th- thirty years ago, but that is crazy. But that was what I saw reposted, and I was like, yeah, he gets to fight for the undisputed title against John Jones. So all I, that tweet made me want to do is go back and play San Andreas. I think it came in 2004. I think San Andreas. I remember playing that. Like I'm pretty sure I came out just after university. Is that when it was 2000? It can't 2004. That's when it was released. Yeah, I don't believe that's the last time that Stipe won a fight. So that must be nonsense. <laughs> like, he's probably taking piss. But, but yeah, just maybe I'll play GTA. Um, I might go play it after this. After a, a few drinks tonight, and then come back and. <laughs> Just so final one, then any any others for you? Any any you, you mentioned those ones you'd heard. Anything else that in your opinion that could pop up on there? Nothing that would be exciting. I, I think Islam has to be on the card at some point, and whoever he's fighting, you know, is up in the air at this point in time. But I'd like to see, considering he is arguably, and I think he still currently is on the rankings, pound for pound number one. I'd find it difficult to try and make a, a UFC centenary card without your pound for pound and one if he's available. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and as you say, the the, the, the very logic, the, well, there's only two options for me for Islam, which is Gagey or, well, you, three. You could go for the Oliveira rematch that got cancelled or you could let Islam fight Edwards for champ champ and let him go up. They're the only options I would say for Islam, but I think Gagey would be the one that would sell the most and would be yeah, the most definitely. intriguing. If you've been a businessman, I would argue that Oliveira would be the one to go for because then you could put Gagey on the card and you could have him defend the BMF and you could also have another title defended and, and go down that route. But I get the feeling that wouldn't sell. I mean, it sells as a card on its own, but it's not going to sell as many tickets as gauge Islam for me because that's pure excitement. I agree and I think the only other thing is I don't know who if there's anyone at lightweight that deserves to challenge Gagey for the BMF. You know it's not it's not even the same is it like it, it's you do it's have not to, to me, standings. I, it's not but there, there has to be something about you to get yeah. that like when they brought that in originally both Masvidal and Diaz they were bad motherfuckers. Gagey, when he fought Poirier, bad motherfuckers. 
no one jumps out at me now in those those lightweight like Islam's just he's not a bad motherfucker he's just a lay and pray Khabib do you know what I mean bad motherfucker has a a certain ring to it that you you're all action you're going to go out there you're going to die on your on your on your shield that type of mentality and no one springs to mind at lightweight for me personally at the moment that is deserving of that crack for that belt off game it's a bit of a a weird comment to make, admittedly, but I feel as though you can't challenge for the BMF as an undefeated fighter. So there's something about it where I feel like you have to be in a position where people have seen you get into a brawl where you've you know you've had your head kicked off at one point, you've had your your jaw smacked off, and then you've come back from it, and people have been like, "That guy has come back from literally the edge of the oblivion. He is a bad motherfucker." And that's I'll give you. I'll give you a shout out though here if I was going to call it. If I'm a businessman and I'm Dana, I pay Gagey a shitload of money and say, you're going up to 170. I'll tell you who I would say is deserving of bad motherfucker fighting him. Rachmanov. Yeah. 18 fights, 18 finishes. Now that's a fucking fight and that's a BMF fight. Yeah, he's the only exception that I can think of to the undefeated because he he absolutely is a scary fighter. So I could see that. That would be terrific thinking about it. That would be one that if I'm Dana, look, Gagey, stick on some weight, start training. You're fighting Rachmanov for the BMF. That 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 alone for me would be absolutely that 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 it's, it's probably not a main, but that's a that's a very, very good co-main, that is. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so oh, next, moving on, um, you saw the deal with uh, the UFC finished on the 31st of December. So uh, they've now got uh, a new drug testing program. Uh, it's a private company called uh, Drug Free Sport International to administer the program. Absolutely. Basically, there's no real changes. There's, there's literally, from what I read, I did a little bit of digging. The only thing that is to change is the status of the people that are going to collect the samples. So fighters still need to let the UFC, but I think they do it via like an app, where they're going to be at any point, and people can go out. And that was one of the problems with USADA. USADA would be waking you up at six in the morning, banging on your door when you're in the middle of a training camp, for a piss and a blood test. Um, what I saw, the main, the only sort of major change was that these people, I think, are going to be like proper medical professionals that are going to be administering the tests rather than USADA employees, which I don't think were particularly... They had some kind of level of medical training, but I think if they just go out and say, hey, Daryl, piss in this cup, they, do you know what I mean? I could do that. So... But that from basically it's 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 a bit of a non-story in some ways, if you ask me. Um, yeah, no, it's going to change, is it? Realistically, no. And again, the, 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 once they've cleaned the once they've cleaned up the sport like they have, they can't take a backward step. So if they did start to do anything different and get a little bit slacker, it would certainly make the sport less interesting, and I think turn fans away. So I think it's a good thing that they've basically decided to carry on making the the protocols that USADA set in place. Final point I've got is, um, again, coming from my major source of my knowledge um, or my, my, my research, 
MMAfighting.com. I mean, I'll tell them in a second, but your fighter of the year, 2023, who would you give it to? Oh, Christ, that's a put me on spot a bit. Throwing you on the uh, spot a bit there. Edwards? Leon Edwards? I think that's a very good shout, and I definitely couldn't disagree with you. Um, MMAfighting.com, and the, they did a, a panel again of their like 15 journalists, gave it to Sean Strickland. Um, yeah, no, they, no. no that's, uh, that's a good shout. I mean, he went, he went 3-0 and in the year, which is impressive active and impressive two of the wins though were against imanov and magomedov magomedov uh, <laughs> before he put on the performance against izzy and i think obviously that's what they've really given it to him for is not you know he, it wasn't a fluke was it he, he beat the living shit out of izzy to a yeah. degree that we haven't you know we've seen um Pereira give him the, the one-shot KO, but he was absolutely dominated by um, by Strickland in one of the biggest upsets, arguably, in UFC title history. So um, probably deserving of it, but I would agree with you. I certainly think Edwards is, is, is an honourable mention. Um, and I think Aspinall, if I'm honest, not being too biased to the English fighters, has got to be... Um, included in that as well. I mean, I think he, he would have had two fights, did he? Two, but yeah. Because someone else, the, and then obviously Blade was last year on it. Um, well, so obviously someone, and then crushing the bogeyman that is Pavlovich in the way that he did, he'd have to be in the conversation. But yeah, I think it's hard to argue really with what Strickland did to Izzy and the way that Izzy was hyped that 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 he didn't deserve that. You don't want to argue for MMA fighter of the year being uh, Francis Ngannou? Well, you can't because he's not an MMA fighter anymore, can you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe you could argue him for boxing fighter of the year, and I would certainly suggest that he'd have a very strong argument. But for, for MMA fighter, no, I can't re- raise any argument about that whatsoever. It had to be, didn't it? Either Edwards or Strickland. Um, yeah. Edwards had a fantastic year, obviously, Usman. Um, and Colbert, after all that shit talking, they're two high, quote unquote, high level fighters. Usman definitely, and Covington, we've got our own opinion. Covington on him. should have got an award for Pussy of the Year, uh, <laughs> Knobhead of the Year, worst yeah. performance in exactly. the stage of the year, talking the biggest shit and giving the limpest performance ever. Uh, that, yeah. Strickland deserves it. The more that I think about it, being three and zero, and like you say, it's not as though he had beaten. Uh, Adesanya and you know got out of there by the skin of his teeth he absolutely dominated him and Adesanya is one of the best fighters on the planet to dominate him in that way shouting in his face in the last round it's impressive and, I'll be honest yeah. I still think and I'm controversial I still think Izzy gets more props than he deserved he had a run he smashed some people Powertang exposed him Strickland's exposed him Lahovic beat him you know, people talk about him being the greatest middleweight ever with, Ad- with with Anderson Silva. You put him in with a prime Anderson Silva and he gets his fucking head taken off. Prime yeah. Anderson Silva is that is a little bit before your time, really. I, I, I know you're, you know, but we're talking, say, 2008 to 2013, something like that. You couldn't lay a glove on that man. It's like watching someone fight in the Matrix. He was untouchable. And as good a striker as he is, and I know, obviously, he's beat an aging Silver, 
to me, the long the longer it goes, the more the the, the gap between the class of them two becomes apparent. If you ask me, as a, as, as a long standing MMA fan, and Silver fought way too long, probably because he was in it in the early days when he wasn't making much money. Everyone judges him by his record, where he lost like eight out of his last nine. But at his peak, he was just unfaceable. Absolutely, him, him and Khabib and John Jones at their peak were just you. Just you, you can't think of three people worse in the world that you'd want to get in a cage with. So much football to cover, um, and, and so little time to do so because of the fact that. Again, we've uh, neglected last week's episode. I don't know whose fault it is. I can't remember now. It's, you know, been and gone, been and gone. Um, well, some of it, know. luckily, picked up the slap and covered a few results, me and Grant. So in some ways, you're lucky. But, I mean, we've got, we had a, a load of results over Christmas. But um, we're on a bit of a time schedule as well, aren't we? Because uh, now that you're feeling a little bit better and a bit perkier, someone not dedicated to their craft here in the podcast is off out for drinks with their missus later. So um, we're fair play to you. And I'll be honest, I've had, I'm gagging for a nice takeaway and a couple more rums after my first week of of my new job. So we're going to jump straight past all the Christmas results to the last round of matches. So the only thing I would say before we do get into that, I think it is worth, because I, I feel like we're doing you a disservice and I'm sure you wanted to mention it. Liverpool, obviously, at the end of the year, at Christmas time, Woo! Top of, Top the, of the league, baby. Halfway the through the season, and it, it's impressive because we've, we've. And there's a long way to go, and obviously, you're certainly not counting your chickens. I'm sure, and I'm it's sure done. that there's going to be. <laughs> I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of twists and turns to come before the end, and then City will obviously run away with it. But to be where you are, considering the level <laughs> of some of the results that other teams have been getting, Arsenal have done very well up until a certain point you have been ma- making sure that you're winning games that you aren't necessarily playing your best in and haven't necessarily performed to the the maximum level. So to be at the top of the table at the end of the year is is an, a, absolutely an achievement. And he's certainly, the way to look at it, a massive improvement on last season. You've gone from, you know, Klopp potentially being at the end of his tenure, get rid of him, need to replace him, to look at what he's done now with a few additions. Any Liverpool fan, if you offered them halfway through the season, so, I mean, we're now on 20 games and we're still top, but at 19 games we were top, halfway through the, officially halfway through the season to be top of the league, any Liverpool fan, one probably wouldn't have believed you, but two would have snatched your hand off. Um, me and Grant covered some of this, so we'll, we'll, I won't go over it again, but um, what, just Arsenal, over the last five games, their form, their 15th, in the form table, they've completely and utterly thrown it away. We know City are going to do what they're going to do. So the lead that Liverpool have isn't enough. And I very much doubt we will win it. But as you say, an achievement to be where we are. Very happy, but count, not even counting my chickens. But it makes me feel very confident that we will at least get top four, which always had to be ultimately the... Um, the goal after last season. So, yeah, we shouldn't skate over it. I'm glad that you did bring it up because I was going to whether you did or you didn't anyway. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, th- I think most most people would be surprised at that, wouldn't they, if we're being honest. It's, yeah. It is a surprising result. And 
especially when the most frustrating thing, and again, I don't want to re, re go over what I did with Grant, the points we dropped two points against Luton, two points against Man U, two points against Arsenal. You had that, that's six points. If we'd had those six points, which we should have got, we'd be well clear. And I'd be thinking, do you know what? That's the kind of gap we need that when City hit that peak form, when De Bruyne comes back and Harlan hits form again, Doku's back, gives us something to, for them to chip away at. But the way how close it is, I can't see it lasting. No, and obviously, without trying to dampen your hopes, it's it's City all over, isn't it? We looked at yeah. City at the start of uh, December. They were one win in six. They, they only beat Luton in a spell of, of six consecutive games at the end of November, uh, start of December, and yet they're only five points off of the top with a game in hand. So it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. And as you say, we, we know what they're going to do. They've done it three years in a row, won every game in March. So all of again, cliches all over the place, but game at a time, keep winning. Try Hopefully that they keep, they do seem to have more fuck ups in them than, than, than seasons before and dropping points. We know they are missing that, you know, some of those game changes that are going to come back and that will probably erode, but Liverpool just need to get, and I'll be honest with you, I'd actually, I was talking about this with uh, someone at work today. I found a, a new Liverpool fan to talk to. So heavy discussions. Um, I'd, I'd go out of the FA Cup. We don't need it. We're, we've got Europe where if we win, we potentially go in the Champions League. We've got the two-leg uh, semi-final of the Carabao Cup. Fuck uh, Sunday. I'd, I, I genuinely don't care about the FA Cup and I would go out to save us the games because otherwise, particularly with losing Mo, and we'll come on to this and Endo, to the AFCON Cup and the Asian Cup. We don't need those games. So to me, I would play a completely weakened team against Arsenal. And if we go out, it's I actually want us to go out. I don't want to go through. You've got an issue with uh, Slobosai at the moment, aren't you, by the sounds of it? I think he's out for the next two games. Is he? I didn't know that. Yeah. I got injured. Yeah. Didn't know so, that. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely out for the Arsenal game and he's a doubt for next week. And I think Klopp had said... But we'll wait and see after that. So well, I see agree. We left back. So I was hoping we might obviously Robertson's out. Simakas injured his collarbone in that ridiculous was it Man U match when he got knocked into Klopp. I was hoping we might dip into the loan market for a, for a left back. Um, but we've recalled uh, a young Scottish kid from I can't even remember, I didn't even know this that that, that at work was telling me. Um, who is Klopp has been talking up in the press conference and now is coming in as cover for Gomez. So our number two left back is some 18-year-old kid that's only played a handful of games in the Scottish League that I can't even remember his name. So that's not a good sign. I was hoping we were <laughs> going to dip into the loan market for, for a... I'll tell you, here's a stupid one. Um, what's the guy that um, Spurs player, man, you just cancelled their loan? Regulon. Him. I'd take him for six months, just cu- just to cover the gap for that. He'd do us a job for a few months till till we get those two back. But every time I've seen him play for Man U this season as well, I thought he's been quite good. So I can't, for the life of me, understand why they've cancelled that loan. Well, it's because they it's because the 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 reason they got him was cover because at the time Shaw and is it Messia? I'm not quite sure. The the Dutch lad were both injured, but they're both back fit now, so that's why they cancelled that. I didn't ah, okay. read that, but Makes I would sense. take Regilian. I take him all day as as, as cover for than some young Scottish lad that's never played a 
couple of games outside the Scottish Premier League. Do you know what I mean? Jesus. So This is coming um, from the person who told me last season that Calvin Ramsey were going to be the next best thing. Tearing it up at Preston, of. I think. Isn't <laughs> He's it? having an awful season at Preston. So, yeah. Let's skip forward because I know you're against the clock and we're rambling on a bit. But so last round of matches, we had Chelsea beat Luton 3-2, which was the only thing I would say. And I hate that. I mean, I've got him in my fantasy team, so I did all right on this. I stuck him on the bench and got fucking lucky that someone didn't play that he came on. Every game we're seeing the evolution of Palmer as a player. Yeah. Two goals and an assist in that game for someone that was overhyped, didn't get a game at City. Everyone thought Chelsea had played a ridiculous amount of money for. He's now got 16 games in the league, eight goals and four assists. Crazy stats. Looking a very, very good player. He's taken Chelsea to the dizzying heights of 10th as well. So uh, they're having another cracking season. I'll be honest. He must be their best player by a mile. And they'd probably be be a long way further down the league if it wasn't for him. And you're talking about, what, a 21, 22-year-old that before had only played a handful of games at City and been out on loan. So fair play to him. When when Chelsea signed him, I was like, what? Man City are literally laughing all the way to the bank. But every game that goes by seems to prove more and more of a player. He's their top um, goal scorer, isn't he, at the moment? I think. He is, yeah. He's yeah, he their best player by a mile. Uh, He's uh, also uh, their top assists as well. There you <laughs> so. go. I mean, well, let's be funny, that, that guy up front, I mean, you talk about Nunes, and I know we'll probably come on to that against Newcastle. Oh, we will. I know what you're going to say. I, I, I've, been, I've, I've been expecting it, but fuck me. If there's if there's a worse finisher than Nunes in the league, it's that fucking Jackson. Yeah, he he's, looks he's not good. atrocious, doesn't he? And he had, obviously, uh, his record inflated by that Spurs game where he, he looks the, like he's done all right. The shittest hat trick in the world. Yeah. Um, but, um, so City keep up the pressure and again you'd say 2-0 win at home to Sheffield United you'd expect a little bit more than that wouldn't you really for City if they were really took firing and all, all guns it's a win not playing yeah. well back to what I keep saying so they'll take it but you would have thought they would have put a few more past them or I would, I thought I, I was expecting a 4 or a 5 there yeah I mean to a certain extent you've you got to bear in mind that this is it sounds silly to say it. This is a weakened Manchester City. Obviously, there's no Haaland, no De Bruyne, no Doku. So they're continually trudging along until these big boys come back. And like you said earlier, as soon as they come back, you start fearing for rest of the league, realistically. It's especially with the, the Haaland and De Bruyne link-up. With that coming back to a team that's already doing well and improving, you just think, what's the point? A couple of real shock results. I mean, firstly... Very enjoyable to see Forrest uh, beating Man U 2-1. Just get, keeps getting worse shock? and worse for Man U. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, uh, Nuno seems to have come in and got a little bit of a, a turn out of Forrest on these. So that's, uh, that, uh, it's a lot tighter down the bottom now. And the other one, the other one that I thought was quite a shock was Wolves smashing Everton. And for Wolves, again, we'll come on to this shortly, but man, are they going to miss uh, Huang when he goes to the Asian Cup? He is on fire at the moment in terms of goal scoring. He's suddenly gone from a two or three goals a season sort of supply support striker to I think he's got 12 goals, which might be the joint top, joint second in the league, or at least 11 goals, maybe third. Maybe he's got 10. It's 10, 10 goals in Premier League, yeah. Um, but you're right, though. He 
annoyingly, he was one of the players that Leeds were looking at last season and he was in atrocious form and Leeds like, no, let's not bother. And then obviously he's, uh, he won at best strikers in Premier League that the Premier League has ever seen now. Um, but yeah, it's it always interests me in any sort of relegation battle. And that's not to say that Wolves are really in any sort of relegation battle at this point in time. And I don't think they will be. But all it's taken is three consecutive wins on the bounce and they're mid-table, they look comfortable, they're not anywhere near the relegation battle. Obviously, only one loss in six now. I think that was against um, West Ham a few weeks back. But it just, the league is nonsense. It, but look the at Everton. Table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A few weeks ago, they were flying and winning games. And if you'd added the 10-point deduction they had on, they would have been something like ninth or 10th. All of a sudden, they've lost like three or four on the bounce, and bang, they're right down in it. It's you know, and Luton have been picking up victories. Sheffield United are the ones that are now starting to probably get you think are definitely down and cut adrift. But even Luton aren't out of it, and Burnley have even you know got a couple of strange results as well. So it's it's definitely not as cut and dried as as we expected. Um, Fulham beat Arsenal 2-1 in another shot. I mean, again, you wouldn't say it's a shot maybe the, the form Arsenal have been in, but um, and Fulham are a decent team on their day. You know, Paulinia, uh, Willian, um, Jimenez, you know, he, he's never going to be a goal machine, but if you get him on a good day, he causes a whole load of trouble for, for defences. He's massive, gets about, he drags them everywhere, he makes room for the players. Uh, around him, you know, supporting like William, uh, etc. Um, but then we've got to come on to New Year's Day. My New Year's Day was made 4 2 against uh, Newcastle. Did, did you watch the match? I did, I did watch it all. So, obviously, first half, Mo misses a penalty. You're like, What are you doing, Mo? Well, uh, goes down, all, all keeper clipped, fair, fair play to, to Bravka because. Mo recently, if you look at his stats, has gone down the middle a lot. He went down the middle again. Didn't really look like he just like look basically looked a bit like a panic penalty. Ran up, just twatted it as hard as he can. Didn't even look like he was trying to place it down the middle. Dubravka saved it. Nunes missed eight thousand chances that he should have scored. Um, no, thinking, that, that doesn't sound like Nunes. What? I'm, think, I'm thinking to myself, here we how how what what's going on here? And then out of nowhere, we get six goals in the second half. So Mo saved us, you know, scored very quickly after the break. Out of nowhere, I think that was the 49th minute, a sudden break, Ishak scores with their first shot on target and only their second shot since the eighth minute. And I'm like, how the fuck is it? We absolutely, I think we'd had 28 shots in the first half. I can we literally picture you battered. watching that. I can Mate, literally you, you picture you, you can't, being like, you fuck. I would so say I was steaming and jumping to the TV is, is an <laughs> understatement. I, I had a, a family party uh, with, with the missus's family, but I've been very clear. Look, I'm, I'm out by seven, drop the stepson back home, back for the football. And then I'm like, it's going to be one of those fucking days. It's going to ruin my New Year's Day. The night before I'd been out with uh, some of the lads, I had a screaming hangover. So I had a dry New Year's Eve because uh, oh. I was oh, sorry, the day before New Year's Eve because I got so smashed uh, in Crossgates. Um, and then obviously the goals just poured in. But um, 
I think how it ended in terms of that stat, they call it the expected goals. It's the highest in a game. And our expected goals based on the stats was seven. We should have scored seven goals according to the expected stats ratio. So Newcastle got away with it. But when it went to 3-2, I was like, fucking hell, we're going to throw this away. But soft penalty from Diaz, I'm sure most people would probably agree. And then Mo does stick that one away. In terms of the Jota penalty, where he goes down, um, where it, where it, Diaz or it Jota? Second one. De, uh, Diaz, I think. All right. I thought it was Jota. Maybe you're right. Sorry, Diaz might have been the first penalty. Basically, yeah, second, I... penalty, second penalty was bullshit. I know what you're going to yes. say. Yeah, it was I, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to deny that. I'm 100%. It was never and, a and if you're not denying it, that shows how horrendous that decision. But it was like again, three or four steps before uh, he went down, wasn't it? And it then he went terrible. down. And, yeah, I, I, yeah it, I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. That's one of those where VAR needs to just, it needs to pack it in. If you're not going to call those decisions correctly, what is the point in that existing? I it's, think even the fans were shocked at that one. Like, <laughs> even the real, like, I, I, I'm watching that. I'm like, nah, that that is, he's like run three or four steps before he's gone down. And then they gave it. And I was like, well, thank fuck for that. And then most the worst thing up, about that. But then I'm like, yeah, don't no. give it to Mo. <laughs> I, I, we've talked about it before. I hate players taking two penalties in a row. And I was like, surely Trent's going to step up. Uh, I think Slot- uh, Gakpo's on the pitch by then. He used to be a penalty taker for PSV. I think Mo's got it again, which shows balls. But I'm like, Mo, don't fuck this up. We need this win. But ballsy and a, a very good penalty the second time. The thing that annoyed me most about the Jota dive wasn't necessarily the dive not being caught by VAR, which did irritate the life out of me. But he took it past the keeper and it's an open goal. <laughs> so if he just stays on his feet, he just taps it in back at net. It, it just makes... No sense whatsoever as to why he did it, but he did. It, there, 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 let's be fair though. Let's just let's just to clarify that you can't deny there there was contact. No the problem was that he took a lifetime to go down. And you're right; he could have probably stayed on his feet and stuck it in. If he went down straight after the keeper touched him, it's a definite pen. It's the not fact a definite. It's pen. three or four steps later he falls. It's given. He's definitely Stop justifying the injust- injustable. I've it just told you, I, I agree it's bullshit, just, but it definitely, definitely caught him. He just made a fucking meal of it and it shouldn't have been given. But if he has to go, if he has to make a meal of it to go down, any sort of contact doesn't necessarily mean a penalty, does it? You can't just get a slight bit of contact and that's an automatic penalty. Agreed, so but there was contact. That, that if, you, if you say, if you watch it back... Not enough to go down, though. Not enough to go down, agreed. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, you clearly were the better team and did deserve to absolutely batter them. Missile um, are a strange one at the moment. Really, really strange. They seem to have completely gone off the boil. And look, I know there's a lot of injuries and I know a lot of players are out of form. And there's also rumours that PSG are going to be bidding um, to, to invoke the release clause of Bruno, which I think it's like 110. Uh, yeah, something silly. I thought. I mean, I think he's a great player. Normally, he was absolutely. He, was a, he wasn't he, very good in that game. He was close no. to getting red. He got a yellow. Yeah. I mean, I actually had a bet builder on, and I had him, Endo, and one other player to get booked. Endo got booked. Gamara's get booked, and I think I went for Dan Byrne because he was up against Mo, and he didn't. But I had a bet builder on M three. Gamara's. He's. I think he's. He's on nine yellow cards already this season. 
he's a fucking liability in some ways. He's a very good player, but he's not producing the form this season that he did last season by any stretch. Yeah, definitely ill-disciplined. Uh, just before we move on to the, the AFCON and Asian Cup, just because it's definitely worth a mention and it's going to impact players quite uh, certain teams quite significantly and none more so than, than Liverpool, I think. Um, I just want to point out, I don't think we've we covered their result of the, the latest. I think it was Brentford-Crystal Palace. And Crystal Palace won again and, and Brentford had lost again. I'm more intrigued by Brentford's form at the moment because they've won one game in... I think it's about eight matches and they've lost seven of those eight. The only game that they've won is against Luton. So it's a game that they're expected to win. They are very, very precarious in their position in that they're only four points off um, the the drop in terms of 18th place. I know Ivan Tone is coming back at at some point this month and I know there's rumours that people are going to be bid for him, but I don't see him leaving. Are Brentford in trouble at all? Yeah, and I'll tell you why they're in trouble. Again, it, the segue that we, we, we like to use that word and we haven't for a while is the Afghan Nations Cup. So because of that, they lose. Uh, you've got, so as you say, Tony does come back, but Embremo, who's been one of their best players, is, is injured at the moment. The one that's been picking up the slack in the meantime is uh, Wissa. He goes to the Afghan Cup with Congo. They lose uh, Godos. Um, who plays for Iran. Uh, they lose Onyeka for Nigeria. And also, I don't think he's been playing, but um, he's on. he's been on the bench, a uh, South Korean teenager, Kim Jin-soo. So they are hit as, as badly probably as any team with those departures. So I think they're in serious trouble. And I think they'll be okay, because I think Tony will come back and save them. But... They're going to be very, very... They're not going to be anywhere near like they were last season and they will be very, very close to the bottom of the table. I think they might be saved by... Yeah, but I think they might be saved by the poor form of... of, and the poor quality, I suppose, at the bottom of the table this year. And a lot are still expecting Sheffield United to go Burnley. Well, they have picked up some... Those two are done, aren't they? Luton are the ones that you would say seem to have picked up a few results in their form that even if they haven't won the games that they've lost, they've done well in, you know, done well against Chelsea, done quite well against Man U. You know, they haven't been as outclassed, I think, as many people thought they would be. Because on the face of it, they were probably the worst. You could argue they're the worst team ever, probably name-wise. Other than Derby. Well, Derby have got the record. But if you looked, if you put their team on paper, that's the shittest Premier League team I've ever seen. The only one that you'd even say... It basically, probably even has Premier League experience is Ross Barkley, and he's. Well, they've got exactly... um, Townsend as well, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. Them to a side, you're talking about a Championship team, aren't you? Really? Yeah, they're, they're not a high class team. The only other team that springs to mind um, that are of that similar quality or when they went up is Huddersfield Town in 2018. Or 2017, they were atrocious. They were agreed, but they they made some quite good buys that turned out to be decent players. Like Billing, Billing was a great player for them that season. Obviously, went on to Bournemouth. They made a few. I'm trying to. I can't think. I'm sure there was a couple of other players that certainly exceeded. But Aaron Moy was up there. I think Uh, he was one. And what was the striker called? They've got uh, Moni, 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 uh, who banged a few in as well. 
They've got a, a, a striker from France. Oh, uh, Steve Mooney. Yeah. Steve Mooney. Um, yeah. he, he, again, did, did a sort of a, a, a job. But yeah, I would agree with you. But on paper, fuck Luton, uh, you look at that, you'd be like, that's a championship team all the way through, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, but, um, well, good time to move on then to the AFCON and Asian uh, Cup. So, I mean, I, I've got in front of me um, the list, full list of all the teams and the players that they lose. I am not going to go through that full list. Um, I'm just going to pick out a few. Um, Arsenal, I don't think are, I would say, particularly massively affected, given even their poor form. They lose Tommy Asu, who has been playing, and but they lose Elneny, doesn't get a sniff near the team. And Partey hasn't actually been selected. Me and Grant didn't know this when we discussed this by Garner because he's injured. So Arsenal aren't particularly affected. Um, Bournemouth lose um, Awata, who's looked quite a bit of a revelation on the wing this season. I don't know if you've seen much of him. Um, he's been sort of switched between him and Sinistera. Got to mention is the Leeds player, the fucking screaming goal he scored the other week uh, for Bournemouth. Don't care. Um, and they also lose Anton Semeo to Ghana as well. So they lose a couple. We've already mentioned Brentford. Um, interestingly, Brighton, um, you know, we know they've been a bit hit and miss this season. Uh, strangely, we talk, talked about, me and Grant mentioned this, Matoma, forms dropped off the face of a cliff, was at, the, at one point looking amazing. They lose uh, him for Japan. But one of their best players this season, um, Adingra, is off to the African Cup, uh, the, the Cup with Ivory Coast. Just because so you mentioned Mitoma there, out of curiosity and without going on too much of a, a segue, um, you said at the start of the season that if you were to sell most... No, uh, I know what you're going to ask. No, <laughs> Cravadonna now, all the way. I said Cravadonna or Mitoma. Mitoma is off that list now for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, I knew you were going to fucking say something smug about that. Um, you've got Chelsea lose Nicholas Jackson. Oh no, please oh, don't lose no. that, that, that goal scoring machine. Um, <laughs> you've got um, one of the ones that you would say are, are, are potentially hit because I think they've got a relatively decent team but not a good squad is Fulham and how well they're doing. So they lose Caravan Bassi for Nigeria, Awobi to Nigeria, and uh, Balo Torre. Um, so they're Midfield and particularly the defence, that's their two centre-backs uh, gone. So they could be in a little bit of trouble. Liverpool, just got to mention, we obviously lose Mo to Egypt. So I need them to get knocked out immediately to have a chance losing <laughs> our best player. But we also lose Endo. And Endo has really picked up his game in the last few weeks and looked a really vital cog. And actually the defensive midfielder that we've needed. So that leaves a big gap in our team um, for us. Um, Man U, and you could argue this is a good thing for them, uh, lose Onana. So uh, I'm not quite sure who their backup goalkeeper is now that De Gea is not there. Do you know? Um, it's a very good question. It's um, not that really old guy they used to have, that, uh, Burnley, is it? the Tom Heaton, 40-year-old no. Tom Heaton. Have they got a backup? But... Um, so they lose Onana and they lose Amrabat, who we were talking about at the World Cup, like a world beater. Garbage for them. And against Liverpool in particular was atrocious. 
He was it's, absolutely awful. It just popped back into bed. It's um, oh, it's a Turkish. Is it Bayinda? Ah, good shout. He's the other keeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah I suppose might be a chance for him to stake a claim. Might be a chance. Yeah. He, he's, he was very, very good. Yeah, it's a good shout. Um, a team massively hit, you would say, is not in Forest. Yeah, so they lose definitely. Aurier, Willy Bowley, Singare, uh, Czech Coyote, Moussa Nakate, and Ola Aina. So that they're going to be really hit because some of the particularly Aurier and Sangari have been linchpins in their team. Um, you look at, you're going to wonder, the, the ones for me that this is probably, I would say, perhaps the most affected is, is Tottenham. So they lose Pape Sarr, who's looked incredible this season as a, as a young defensive midfielder in a double pivot. They lose Basuma, who had been playing potentially with them while Bedkinter was out injured. But most importantly, they lose their real key man, it's Son. They're in a similar position to Liverpool that you lose Son, you take Son out of, of Tottenham, it's the same as taking Mo out of Liverpool, you know, your best yeah. player, and you can't replace that. Um, West Ham lose Kudos, who has been one of the signings of the season, absolutely yeah. superb player, and I think that will, will hit them. And then the final one um, that I'll mention is Wolves. We've already said they lose they lose Juan, but they also lose uh, Boubacar Traore, and their left back is it Al Nouri, who to Algeria. So he is a very good player. Gets up and down. Um, he actually was he is French, but switched his allegiances last year to Algeria. So that's a blow for them. Is does that mean that the only player in the Premier League that has actually rejected their call up is Decore at Everton? It's a good. I didn't know anyone had done that. So um, yeah, Decore had said because he's um, from Mali, isn't he? He had said that he doesn't want to go because he wants to help with Everton's relegation fight. Well, which why is, is Mo being such? If that's the case, why why is Mo <laughs> being such a selfish cunt? And we're top of the table. Fuck Egypt. What the fuck are you going to do anyway with that? Who gives a fuck about the Afcon? Reject it, Mo, and stay and lead us to the title. Didn't they get to the um, final last time as well, Egypt? They did. And, and that's the problem <laughs> is that, I mean, they are, they're going to go far. They're, they'll get to the semis minimum. Um, so we lose him. Again, I was chatting to the lad at work today. If they get knocked out in the first round, we lose him for four games. That's the two Carabao Cup, the game against Arsenal in the FA Cup, the two Carabao Cups uh, semifinals and one Premier League match. If they go all the way, we lose him for another five games, but that includes the league matches against Chelsea and Arsenal. That becomes a fucking problem. Yeah, that is a big problem. And just to rub it in a little bit more, um, which players are going to the AFCON and Asian Cup from Manchester City? Zero. <laughs> Zero. It don't, it don't bode well, does it? For I the think they the might league. be like literally the only team that doesn't have someone going, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah. But the only thing I would say on a positive note for Liverpool, it's not as bad as it used to be because we used to lose, when we had the, the amazing front three, we used to use Salah and Mane at the same time. Now we've at least got a front five and we've got four that can maybe cover. None of them as good as Mo by any stretch, but we've got a better chance than the last time it was the AFCON, um, put it that way. Yeah. Just to finish football, and I thought a little fun thing uh, to bring it as it was the first of the New Year's episode is 
I've got uh, a best 11 of players that retired in 2023. Go on. Interested? I mean, I'll work through it. If I say no, are you just going to stop and just not? I can say if you don't want me. If you don't want me, (laughs) Buffon, goalie. I mean, legend, one of the greatest of all time. Centre back, Diego Godin, another absolute defender's defender. When he was at Atletico, was the linchpin of that team and the success they had. Centre back, also together with um, Dick Godin, Miranda, um, Brazilian. Uh, retired Cellini another defender's defender all the way through he making a block for, making a block for him and stopping a goal was as good as scoring a goal for a striker he was one of those yeah. type of players uh, midfield uh, Joaquin the, you know he's 40 when he made his uh, debut just on that note because I saw this I didn't realise this did you see this over Christmas this is a little uh, funny Side tangent. Wait, do, Apparently, check, did you say he was 40 when he made his debut? Sorry, when he retired, he was 40. Oh, right. 20, 20 <laughs> year career. But <laughs> I didn't realise in Spain, their April Fool's Day is New Year's Eve. Oh, sorry, New Year's Day. And on New Year's Day, Betis announced that Joaquim was coming back out of retirement for the rest of the season. And everyone's like, oh my God, at 40, he's back. And then they were like, nah, it's just a joke because it's our new it's our April Fool's Day. But what a weird day to have say, April Fools. If if Liverpool, for example, announced um yeah, oh, we've got a really interesting uh, bit of news for you. Uh, Stephen Gerrard's coming back <laughs> on uh, coming back on New Year's Day, you'd be like, What? But, yeah, but um, like, some people would be really over moon with it, and then when you'd be like, ah, oh, just kidding, you'd be like, Well, that's not funny, is it? What have you done that for? But, I mean, again, a Betis and La Liga legend. He made 849 senior appearances, making his debut in 2000, racking up over 200 goal contributions. So that's worth a mention. David Silva, definitely worth a mention. One of the greatest midfielders ever to play in the Premier League, arguably. Yeah. Cesc Fabregas, another one uh, you would say very similar. This one, I was, mm, I don't know if I'd have put him in the best 11, but Mesut Otsil, uh retired. Yeah, he was very good with, with Madrid, wasn't he? And then his move to Arsenal was a massive move at the time and, and Arsenal fans were very excited for it. And I still remember the transfer deadline day of that, but he deserves it. He, he was a very good player in his time. And then you've got the final three, which go, go down as true legends in anyone's eyes, I think. Eden Hazard. Yeah, he retired last year, didn't he? I completely Gareth that. Bale and Ibrahimovic. That's a front three, isn't it? Yeah, that's not a bad If you look at that in, a, that, in their prime, that front three would have been up there with MSN for Barca. That would have been devastating. I forgot that Zlatan retired as well. He was one of those players that you just thought would go on until the, the end of time. Just never seemed to get old and never seemed to affect his ability. But 827 appearances, 496 goals and 205 assists. And one of them, the most disgusting overhead kick against You've England that seen. I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous, ridiculous. I just thought that was worth a little mention given it was the end of the year and there's some fucking, clearly some pretty fun... Fantastic players on that list, but that's it for football. Unless you've got anything, 
No, thank you for ending with a very fun end to our segment there. I'm sure everyone has got a smile on the face and so excited for what's to come. That front three. Tell me a better front three in their prime. We'll have to go back a little bit here uh, in terms of the boxing because... Someone was ill with a pussy. Yeah, but we haven't even covered Day of Reckoning, which came around very, very quickly. You know what the worst thing about that is? Obviously, it was on the 23rd of December, and that was the day that I was due to go out with with all my mates. And we... I thought you did go out. I thought that was how you said you got ill. All right. Right. So we went out. We went to the Leeds game first, me and Nathan, who had sent me a message before and saying, I'll be honest, I'm not feeling right well. Uh, I've had a really bad cold. So I wonder where this has all come from. Um, anyway, we go to watch football. It's we taking too many Viagras, that is. <laughs> Sniffed them. Uh, we go back, we get changed, go into town, and we go to, I think it's called the Air Bar. I think we've been in it before. It's quite a nice little bar um, just on River Air. Funnily enough, that's where it gets its name from. Down on the Guinness. calls, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, the yeah, one. it's nice. One of my mates is um, going love it. Yeah, yeah, it's quite nice there. So go in there and have a few drinks in there. Decide, right, what should we do next? We'll go to a pub on the way. We go to a little uh, bar. It's the Irish bar on the corner. It's not little at all. It's the Irish bar on the corner just across from Bar and Grill um, near the Queens. But I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, so we go from that. O'Neill's maybe. But we go from there, go to box. We've booked our table to watch the Liverpool Arsenal game. We're watching that comfortably pissed at that point um it's only by the time that game finished what about nine o'clock eight nine o'clock uh earlier than that because i think it was a half five kickoff set at about quarter past half past seven so quarter past seven let's say i'm sat there we have a few more drinks and i'm looking at the time and i'm thinking it's christmas eve tomorrow and all my family's coming around and i really don't want to ruin christmas eve I look out that window and see that there is a kebab shop. I think it's I Am Donna. So I'm thinking, look, I haven't had any dinner. I fancy one of those. I'm going to go and get one. I get one, sit there, eat it all. It takes ages to order it because it's a nightmare. And I'm, as I say, I'm comfortably pissed at that point. And I see a black and white cab just outside at like 8.30. And I'm thinking, should I just get in it? And then uh, I'll just go home. <laughs> I'm thinking, no, nah, no, I'll stay out. I'll stay out. But then I'm thinking, you know what? It's probably a good idea. I'll just got, I'll be sensible for once. So I got I got a taxi home and one of my mates took a phone me getting into this taxi at half past eight. And I've been absolutely ribbed ever since. But I actually so went very home. disappointed. You didn't tell uh, me this in it. You didn't tell me no. this in amongst all the stories about how you got here, you little pussy. No, but that's the worst thing. It's not even like I stayed out. Sounds like that. all I can hear is excuses. Oh, Nathan had a cold and gave it to me. I had a dodgy kebab. Like, where no, did no, these excuses I, I want come Ill. from? No, I'm not even trying to defend it. I wasn't ill. It wasn't anything like that. It would just, look, I don't want to ruin my Christmas Eve. I'll, I'll go home now and do the sensible thing. But I got so much abuse. Woke up, obviously felt absolutely fresh on Christmas Eve um, and got to watch the the boxing, the day of reckoning when I got home. We put it on TV and such. And I actually found out later down the line, the following day, that they didn't watch any of the boxing because they went to Dirty Martinis and got absolutely wankered. And some of them went to the casino, but didn't end up watching anything, just spent loads of money. Some of them went to other establishments. Let me take uh, a little guess. Purple Door would probably <laughs> spring to mind from your mates. I, I, would, I'd I don't know what you're talking about, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but a long way to say, I did actually watch the, all of the boxing, and I was one of the few people, or the only person in my friend's group, that did. Um, 
the two main fights are probably worth covering. Everything else is by the by. Everything else happened as we thought it would, um, or as most people thought it would. Start with Wilder, because I very smugly messaged you immediately after this result, saying, I told you, go to this certain time on the the episode that we recorded it, because I told you what would happen. And I have been saying for a long period of time, Deontay Wilder is not a good boxer, and all he's got is a very powerful punch. If he doesn't connect with that powerful punch, he's going to lose the fight. Lo and behold, Joe Parker is an acceptably good fighter. He isn't world-class, as we discussed in the last pod. But Wilder didn't have a chance here. He doesn't have a chance to land, gets comfortably outboxed, lost every single round, and ruins the AJ Wilder fight. I've got to be honest. Um, so I meant I won't go back over it. I had not the greatest of Christmases because I got back down and my old man had a fall. So I spent the day that you're talking about in hospital with the main part of the, with, with my dad. My dad being the man that he is, I'm looking at the, my clock thinking, I'm supposed to be meeting my mates for the fucking football and going for the pub. I fucking haven't seen him for ages. But this is my old man. I can't leave my old man. My old man being the warrior that he is says, look, Fuck off! Well, don't don't say fuck fuck off and watch the football. Don't pretend that you wanna you don't you wanna stay with me. So I'm like, cheers, pop. No worries. Dash off. Get back uh, to my mate's house. Um, he's bought the game on Now TV. Um, so we watched that. Got it was because I'd had such a shit day. It was one of those days that I got the beer. He said, my mate said to me, get some beers on the way back. So I got a fucking two crates. Just because I just I don't just I don't even know why. Just to, and I got I literally that's probably the quickest I've ever drunk beer. If you ask my mates, and you know I'm not the quickest of drinkers, and I was just like chugging them because I just had such a shit day. And we got to the point that after the Liverpool match, we were so pissed that we didn't even bother going to the pub. We stayed at my mate's house playing his ten year old son on FIFA, just arsehold. Um, but he wouldn't pay the money to get to zone and then pay the pay-per-view either. So I was like, fair enough. So I've got to be honest, I haven't seen any of these fights. So I'm taking you, I could go back. I'm sure I could watch them. I'll be honest, the results, I couldn't be asked. Wilder, I agreed with you. I, 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 I thought he would probably lay Parker out, but it didn't surprise me that ultimately once he comes up against someone, the only person of any note of any decency that he's ever fought before is Fury. And despite the draw, which is bullshit, we know he won. He lost all three of those. So yeah. it didn't surprise me that much that Parker beat beat, his, beat him in. And you did send me a very smug text, as you said, calling it. Um, and I understand that AJ won pretty comfortably from reading he, he it. I read did. about it, but... Yeah, and that one... If you're going to watch any of them, I appreciate it's a couple of weeks ago now, so you're probably not. But if you were going to watch any of the uh, fights back, because that's only six rounds or, or five rounds, I think it was, um, that's the one to watch because it's a laid-back, comfortable Anthony Joshua. And a laid-back, comfortable Anthony Joshua is a world title-winning Joshua. Is all? I'm not going to say he's back, and you've seen a lot, I'm sure, in the press about this is the best performance of his career since... Uh, before the Usyk fights, he's back. He's going to smash through the heavyweight division. There is a possibility of that, but you never jump too far ahead. 
And if Ben Davidson is going to continue to be his coach, and there was rumours that he was only going to coach for this fight, which I find ludicrous, he should keep Ben Davidson because Ben Davidson's a very good coach. If you can keep him grounded and keep him in that same mindset where he doesn't look like he's scared to get knocked out anymore, he looks comfortable behind his jab, and he looks like he can take apart a fighter. And this is this is not all Wallin, who has only lost one fight before, don't forget, and that one fight being against Tyson Fury, who is the lineage And he could have, as we said before, could have easily got stopped because of a super nasty cut. Yeah, so he gave um, Fury a lot of problems in that fight. He gave Joshua no problems whatsoever. It was a very impressive performance from the get-go. Joshua essentially made a very tricky fighter look very, very ordinary. He targeted his body very well. There were bits of the old AJ with the little bit of the smirk and the little bit of the the pizzazz and all that sort of thing. Calm in his approach, very good all round, and then um, nearly knocks out Wallin in the fifth. And I think his team basically say, "Look, he's he's not he's not in the spit state to continue in the sixth. Just remind me though, how long ago was the fight against Fury? And what I think Wallin's uh, Wallin's relatively young though, isn't it? It's not like he's suddenly aged and, and super past it. But the fight against Fury's got to be. That was like Fury's first comeback fight, wasn't it? When he came back from the hiatus. So it, that must be what? 2019, it was. Yeah, I was going to say, was... I would have guessed five years ago, but that would be, well, yeah, at least five years ago. Four, four, yeah. whatever. But it, it um... was uh, 2019, at the end of 2019, I think, around September time. And bear in mind, it was a decision. So he, he took him 12 rounds. It wasn't like Fury could take him out, which is why this is so impressive. And, and Wallin isn't, he's certainly not young, don't get me wrong. But he's 33, so he's at that stage of his career where he, he'll have a few years left on it, but he's not sort of in his prime. Whereas you would look at someone like Joshua, who is slightly older, and you think, actually, he seems to be getting better and his coaching seems to be improving. The next fight, as we discussed, isn't going to be Wilder anymore because that's been thrown to the side because of Wilder's poor performance. And realistically, I'd... The only reason I want to see that is because I wanted to see AJ knock him out. And I think that would happen, but I don't think you'll see this fight now. What will happen next, almost certainly, is AJ will fight Filip Hergovic. Hergovic would won his fight on the card, uh, on the undercard of uh, the day of reckoning, that is. Weirdly, this will be for the, the IBF world title. Now, a lot of people will be listening to that thinking, well, how can he fight for the IBF world title when clearly... It's going to be fought for between Fury and Usyk, but actually it's going to be a vacant world title because the winner of Fury versus Usyk will have to drop the belt if they are to have a rematch. Um, so it's one of them is going but to be undisputed. That's bullshit, though, isn't it? So, so yeah, I mean, it costs us. We'll get an undisputed then from, Momentarily, the, from the winner for, for yeah. a potential, but then unless they skip the rematch, which I'm pretty sure has already been said, there is a rematch clause in there. The rematch wouldn't be for the undisputed. It could Correct. Them would have to drop. What, I mean, that's, that's, what, whichever governing body that is should IBS. have some fucking a word with themselves because they're being pricked. Well, it's boxing politics, in it? It always works that way. And the IBF will essentially be saying... I mean, we want that massive organization and belt that everybody <laughs> wants, the IBF. You grow up wanting the IBF heavyweight championship of the world. Um, yeah, it's all a bit politics, blah, blah, and we won't get into it. But essentially, what will happen next is AJ will fight for that IBF world title. His next fight will be 
in March, I believe. I think it's the end of March is the the rumours. So that would allow the Usyk Fury fight to take place. And then obviously we'll we'll see the IBF title fought for there. And I think you'll see Joshua win it and become a world champion again. That then makes the the division a little bit more interesting because, of course, whoever wins against uh, between Fury and Usyk, they will have each other in their eyesight again with the rematch, but they'll also probably want to be undisputed unless it's Fury, at which point I think he'll retire. So but If we look that ahead, so let's just say Usyk wins. Yeah. Drops the belt. Yeah. AJ wins the belt. Is there any clamour for that rematch? Yes. If, and only if, there's a big if, if AJ has been coached to the correct degree by Ben Davison to the point where he becomes like the old AJ, I would like to see the AJ that fought Klitschko fight Usyk because you could see the AJ... Is it what, one Klitschko or two losses out. he's had to Usyk? He's definitely had the one. Two. Was it two? Yeah. Two. So yeah. to me, that, that that's a hard sell when someone's 2-0 down in to sell a trilogy fight. Yes, so not... it agreed to a certain degree, but also people were able to sell the Fury Wilder fight when we all know realistically he was 2-0 down in that. So there is... Yeah, but it was technically one and a, one win and a draw, wasn't it? Even Yeah, you're right. We know it was 2-0, but it, on paper, it was a win and a draw. Wilder yeah, you'd, you'd sell it as, hopefully, if we get to there, the undisputed heavyweight championship trilogy. So there's there's ways yeah. to sell it. But... And again, you uh, allows Usyk probably, who would definitely fancy that fight, to be undisputed again. So that if I wouldn't Two say that, I, I wouldn't champion. say there's yeah. clamour for it. But if I'm Usyk and I've already beaten someone twice, and I can then regain my title to be the full undisputed, I'd take that fight every day. And it sells. It's one of those that even if people aren't necessarily sitting there saying, yeah, I want that trilogy. That's a Saudi, a Saudi Riyadh season. That next, next year, like next, well, I don't even know when Riyadh season is, but like end of next Around year, Christmas. Or something like that, you know, that, that sells, like you say, over there, they're both getting 50, 60, 70 million quid. You could see it a mile off. And you're right. It, I, I personally wouldn't have any interest in seeing that fight because of how comprehensive the first two were, but it does sell as a fight. It depends entirely, as I say, on how this coaching goes for AJ. And if if AJ comes out and smashes Hergovic and becomes that fighter that he once was and finds that fight in spirit again, I think the interest reignites itself. Certainly if Usyk absolutely dismantles Fury and Usyk is like, you know, he's taken out the two arguably best fighters in the division twice, you start thinking, who's going to possibly take him out if it's not Fury and it's not AJ? But also, people want the AJ Fury fight. So whether you see Usyk fight someone else in the meantime, AJ fight for the IBF World Heavyweight Title against Fury, it becomes an all British or all English World Title fight again with the arguably two of the best of the last decade. So people become interested in that again. So there are ways around it, and there are ways to sell it. And from a business point of view, you know, I think it can be done. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you. I can, as you say, I, you, you've sold me on it. There, I, I wouldn't have been interested in it. <laughs> Put me in charge, Eddie Hearn, and I will sell say, you your fights. 
Uh, you'd make a good uh, uh, fucking curly haired promoter. You can't really, <laughs> you can't be any worse than Ben Shalom. So you no. might be the second best after Eddie Hearn. But um, that seems as good a place as any to end it. I know you've got uh, some drinks planned with the missus because you probably saucy been... date. Ah, saucy date, eh? <laughs> I'm going to go straight to the pub, find myself a dartboard, and I'm going to loot litter it a little bit all night. Fucking treble twenties. You know, I'm going to throw some big fish. I got to give a shout out. I know it's completely off topic for us. What a fucking performance. I never really watched darts, but he got me hooked in. One thing I would say is, did you see what a bunch of cunts the HMRC are? Did you see about this? <laughs> tax, yeah. The matter talking about is tax. And you're like, you fu- he's a 16-year-old kid. And you're there like, yeah, yeah, he's going to pay nearly 80 grand in tax. You motherfuckers. As if we don't all hate HMRC already. Um, and then they do that. I was like, you fucking bitches. Yeah, they're, they're not they're not a fun organisation, are they? He's been put in the um, Premier League, hasn't he? Uh, the I saw. I don't know how that happens. I mean, the wild card. The hype, uh, the, the hype yeah. uh, behind him. I mean, I don't know what he started at, but I read that he ended uh, the, the final with 800,000 followers on Twitter or Instagram, whatever. I bet he started that with like... 2000 or something it was 4000 yeah talk about someone just coming out of nowhere i I thought it was fate i've got a burst i thought he was going to win it just the the momentum he had that i watched it i think i watched him in the the, couple of the earlier rounds but certainly the quarters and the semis he was just unbelievably composed like nailing the doubles when he needed to like just he was almost too young to feel the pressure just had no pressure on his shoulders at all coming in like he did. It was one of the best sporting performances I've ever seen from someone that age. He's been hyped up on the sort of the younger circuit for quite a while. So it's his first real foray into the the majors. Um, He's basically been put into the Premier League because every Premier League has a wild card. So you've got your seven or four that are on merit, three that you decide between yourselves and then one that's like the wild card because of, people like yourself and exactly what you said there where he's got a lot of audience coming in people who don't normally watch the darts have been tuned in just to see him they're hoping that that'll happen again for the premier league and it's a bit of a different format and whether the pressure then gets to him having to go around the country you know being televised every single week is a little bit different and luke humphreys by the way is unplayable he's the world number one for a reason and he's a massive Leeds fan, so it was always nice to see that. But he's only just become world number one, wasn't he? I think he was world number in three before this. Yeah, um, yeah. But, so he's only just won it, but I think he'd won something like the last five tournaments the last before three this. three televised, yeah, and then he's um, won this one. Yeah. So super impressive. But the only other thing, I, 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 um, I did, I've forgotten what I was going to say now about Lilla. <laughs> I did have something to, to say. Oh, that, sorry, the only other thing, I read this, and I'm not, I, I don't care what anyone says, I'm not having this. It came out in the... I picked up and started throwing darts at age 18 months. <laughs> Fuck off, you liar. What kind of fucking parent lets their kid play with darts as a fucking, they can't even walk? Like, no, fuck off. I'm not having you that got, for a second. you got any teddies for Luke? No, give him like, these What are we talking knives. about? One of those Velcro boards. That doesn't count. <laughs> but I read that and I was like, nah, not having that for a second. That's absolute <laughs> bullshit. The other thing that blew my mind, whether it's true or not, he claims... He only practices for 30 minutes a day. Phil Taylor used to practice for eight hours a day. 
Phil Taylor wasn't a world champion until 30 years of age. So he's, but uh, he was world champion 16 times. Yeah, Luke Little will do it for 18 times. So yeah, all, 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 all I read, all he wanted to do was go home, get a pizza and play on his Xbox, which like, was like, now we're just need to do it. Well, apparently he's got See free kebabs for is. life. Free, free kebabs for life from a, uh, a place in Warrington, apparently. His favourite kebab. You see how old his girlfriend is? No. 21. She's got a 21-year-old girlfriend. Do you know how he met her? Playing FIFA. He met her online playing FIFA. Yeah, so. this, like, how, the, how the fuck was this happening? This kid is like <laughs> living the dream. Literally Just living the 200 dream. grand. He's got a five-year-old bird at the name. Free kebabs. Like, he's living the dream. It made it sound like you said he's got a five-year-old bird there, which Five year yeah, older, isn't the dream. But... Um, but... <laughs> Perfect place to end it anyway, um, because as I say, my missus is very much clamouring for a pint of Guinness while I will be drinking the uh, little IPA <laughs> next to her and getting shamed for it. Good last, uh, Meg. I'm glad that I've brought something into into your lives uh, in, in the Guinness. But you go out Guinness. and have a good time and um, we'll be back next week if you're not being too much of a pussy. Yeah, we'll be back to the normal schedule now. Uh, again, I can only apologise for the... Uh, ill health that I received over Christmas. You know, next I nearly Thursday, died, but... we'll try and do next Thursday like we usually do for everybody. Yeah. So you can listen to us Friday on your way in, uh, despite the rigours of my new job and the, the training and a bit more travelling than I might have to be doing. But um been a good first week. Uh, I hope you've had a good week uh, back as well. Uh, missing you guys uh, and, and the team. But um good place to end it. Go and have a good drink. Say hello to Meg for me and see you later. Yeah, and as always, thanks very much for listening and we'll speak to you next week.